there, Alaskans, wherever you are, welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right in a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to MustReadAlaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And, ma'am, I hope that it stays like it is climate-wise in Alaska for a while because we haven't had any snow yet, which is amazing. Yet, like two days ago, I literally mowed my lawn, which I've never done that. November 1st, I mowed my lawn. It is a miracle, folks. But we have a very special guest today. We have uh, Chris Johnson with us, who's a senior policy advisor for college Republicans, one of probably the biggest college conservative group in the United States. Chris, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm excited that you're here because I think we're going to talk about something that's a little taboo per se, because, um, you know, oftentimes caring about the climate and conservatives or Republicans don't go together. Uh, but that's something we're going to talk about today. Very excited to talk about it. Tell me, tell me about your role with the College Republican Senior Advisor. Tell me kind of what that entails. Yeah, so I've worked in energy policy um, basically uh, most of my adult life, most of my career. Um, you know, obviously in college, I'm, I'm from Ohio, went to the Ohio State University, uh, worked on uh, Republican campaigns uh, during college, and then shortly thereafter started managing campaigns for the Ohio Republican Party. Um, and then once uh, you know, I'd run a few campaigns. I wanted to get more into policy, uh, and that was at the height of the uh, you know or tail end, I should say, of the fracking boom. Uh, but there was still all this oil and gas development in Ohio, uh, so I started working for the American Petroleum Institute uh, on their uh, grassroots organizing. So I managed all their uh, grassroots and grass tops uh, across the state. Um, and so, yeah, and so I've been involved with the College Republicans back when I was in college. So now that I've got a little bit more of the career policy experience, uh, they asked me to come on uh, and help them uh, traverse the waters on, on energy issues. Um, and, and for younger folks, how often that sort of comes across as climate issues, right? Uh, when people are talking about climate policy, what they're really talking about most of the time is energy policy, right? It's, it's where are we getting our energy? How are we making things? Uh, how are we powering our vehicles? How are we uh, heating our homes? All of those are energy questions, uh, but they are part of the broader climate debate. Uh, and younger folks are looking for ways to engage with that uh, substantively uh, without giving in to the left's narratives on this stuff, uh, while also uh, doing it in a way that that doesn't uh, shy away from our conservative values. Yeah, because I, I, um, I'm sure that you... Uh come across this a, a lot where you're talking to folks, maybe they're on staff with the college Republicans. And do you think a good route is just not having the conversation at all? Or do you uh, help advise these folks to get in there and get, you know, roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty. You got to get in there and talk about it or nothing's going to, you know, you're never going to get your point across. Cause I think conservatives, like when they hear the word climate, they just like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to <laughs> deal with it. I like, yeah. it's like, but do you, do you think that we should get in there and kind of ruffle some feathers and have good, challenging conversations with folks? I yeah, I mean, I'm obviously biased a little bit. You can guess where I'm at on this. Uh, but but I'm of the belief that when 
on any issue. Uh, when conservatives leave a vacuum uh, of solutions, answers, whatever, to a problem that something especially young people care about, or that we think, yeah, this is just a, an issue that young people care about there. Yeah, there's sometimes some campus crazies, but this isn't really going to affect me or, or uh, our politics that much or whatever. Uh, and I think probably over the last few weeks, we've seen where uh, campus extremism is is not just much bigger than we previously thought, uh, but also much more uh, affecting of, of normal politics, right? We are watching members of Congress uh, actively defend Hamas, right? This is something that college Republicans have been warning about for a long, long time. And we were dismissed, right? We were told that we were being, uh, we were exaggerating or hyperbolic. It's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't want us to make the same mistake on the climate issue, right? Where we see, you know, folks gluing themselves to stadium uh, chairs or, um, you know, blocking traffic and all this kind of stuff. Oh, these kids are crazy. You know, we don't need to engage with that, um, you know, whatever. Um, but then you have something like the Inflation Reduction Act happen, which is directly downstream of that kind of activism. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, this is real. I need to have, maybe we should have some kind of a response to this stuff uh, that treats it as a serious issue um, politically without treating it like the existential crisis that the left talks about the, the climate issue as. So what are some healthy, in your opinion, positions to take when, you know, you, your college folks are on campus seeing all this um crazy things like cementing people's hands to the pavement so that cars can't go by. And yeah, yeah. what do you, how, what do you advise these folks to do? What's a good way to, um, to approach some of these topics that are oftentimes just taken over by the extremes on both ends? Well, first I would say don't concede on any of the presuppositions of the left, right? When they say that, you know, the world's going to end in 10 years, uh, you know, conveniently the only solution is socialism, right? Uh, don't concede any of those points. Um, just just start from there. Uh, and then and immediately, I think the next step is to point to the hypocrisy of, of the, uh, especially the further left folks, the environmentalists, those kind of folks. Uh, because if climate change is truly an existential crisis, right, if it's the end of the world, you know, whatever, um, why wouldn't something like zero emissions nuclear power be a vital part of the solution, right? That's, um, why wouldn't you want to uh, make it easier to build clean energy, uh, you know, infrastructure and, and projects um, that are currently stymied heavily by permitting and regulations and all this kind of stuff. Um, and obviously, I, you know, those those same uh, regulations stymie uh, fossil fuel developments as well. So uh, there, there's another added victory there that it's a way to stick it to the left hypocritically, but also, you know, get get policies in, in place that help build all forms of energy infrastructure. Uh, and then I think the biggest one is, is third is uh, if, if climate change is this big of a deal and it's a global problem and we're seeing uh, the number one emitter on Earth not be the United States, but China, which emits more than entire West combined. Right. Why are they not talking about China uh, and why are we not trying to hold them accountable for their emissions? Why are we not trying to address this as a global issue? Uh, and so uh, coincidentally, uh, there's a really great piece of legislation introduced. Uh, yesterday uh, by Senators Bill Cassidy, Roger Wicker, uh, and Lindsey Graham of Louisiana, Mississippi, and South Carolina, respectively, uh, implementing what's called a foreign pollution fee. So taking the Trump America First trade agenda and applying it to the climate issue. That's exactly the kind of stuff that we want to be leveraging uh, on college campuses to go, hey, there's this bill 
that's going to deal with Chinese pollution. China's the biggest polluter on earth. You know, why don't you support that? Right? Because they won't. They they're so beholden to they're they have such a TikTok addled brains uh, that they will uh, reflexively defend China because. If you don't, that you might admit that America's the good guy, uh, and America is actually uh, part of the solution, and China's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. I um, I oftentimes think about, you know, I think here in the U.S. we probably have one of the highest. I don't know if it's the highest, but one of the highest standards as it relates to oil and gas development, and we're oftentimes um, we oftentimes forget about how good of a job, how well of a job we do. Um, yeah what's it like on college campuses or is 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 oil a four letter letter word on these campuses <laughs> as your you know your college republicans are probably feeling like they're going into the battlefield every day um is it something that they're you know is is it something that the left on college campuses is trying to just get rid of oil and gas development yeah, and, and that honestly works to our benefit, even on college campuses. Yes, it's a four-letter word to certain folks, um, but when you're in a debate, right, you're not just trying to uh, win over the person you're arguing with, you're trying to win over the audience that's watching. Um, and that audience is, is yes, young, but they're going to be stepping into the workforce soon. They, you know, buy gas just like everybody else does. They see the price of oil go up and the price of everything else go up. They're not you know, they may be young, but they're not stupid, right? Uh, they know that there's going to have to be oil and gas development uh, for the at least for the near future and probably further. Uh, and so one of the best ways to talk about this issue specifically is just what you were talking about, the cleaner production here in the United States, uh, and especially in places like Alaska, where the natural oil and natural gas production on the North Slope is the best in the world uh, in terms of environmental standards and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of research going into this right now uh, to try and figure out what that uh, what qu that quote unquote carbon advantage is uh, and apply public policy to it. There's another piece of legislation called the Prove It Act, uh, which is, would uh, tell DOE, the Department of Energy, to actually quantify the differences in emissions of various products, including oil and gas. So that's the kind of stuff where if you start from just the reality of like, you know, the policies of the Biden administration that are limiting oil and gas development are making your life harder and more expensive. So we need to produce this somewhere. It would be much better if we produced it here as opposed to Russia or China or whatever, um, or Saudi Arabia or God, you know. So um, there's going to be most normal people. Oh, sorry, you broke up for a second. Keep going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. The uh, no, but most college kids. Uh, they're smart enough to realize that, yeah, we got to produce this somewhere. It's better to produce it here. Uh, and most kids watching are going to realize like, man, like these folks on the left, yeah, they care about the climate issue like I do, but they kind of talk like they don't live in reality, right? Uh, and, and these conservatives sound weirdly, you know, you know, tethered, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I mean, that's that's how we went over hearts and minds on college campuses. Yeah. So what would you say to the folks, there, there's going to be conservatives listening that's that will, you know, say, I don't want anything to, I don't want to have anything to do with any sort of conversation as it relates to any word that, any sentence that has the word climate in it. Yeah. What, what would you say to those folks who, who just are doing this and kind of stomping in the corner? I think you, you just do what I, what I was 
what I've mentioned many times to, to folks that climate policy, um, yeah, sounds like a lefty thing automatically. But if you in your own head can just realize that what we're talking about is energy policy, what we're talking about is is um, manufacturing policy, is trade policy, all that kind of stuff. Yes, the left calls it climate policy, but the stuff that they're advocating for is subsidies, taxes, um, all these other kind of things that are separate there. Um, and if you don't want to use that you that word, absolutely fine. But you've got to engage on this substantively the same way you would with any other set of energy policies. Um, and because we're going to be debating environmental policy and have been for decades. Uh, and we've actually won this debate before uh, with, you know, Richard Nixon was, uh, you know, one of the first uh, conservative environmentalists uh, and developed a lot of the policies that have cleaned up our air, doing the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act and all that kind of stuff. So we can do this in a way that doesn't seed, uh, you know, the stuff to the left that that I think people are worried about, right? That that will get in a position where everybody thinks that the world's going to end. I don't, I don't think that's a real risk. Um, you just got to remind yourself: yes, they're calling it climate policy, but it's just energy policy, trade policy, et cetera. Nice. So how can folks make a difference? What, what in your mind, you know, there's college kids in Alaska that are going to listen to this. There's college kids all over the world that are going to listen to this. Um, how can somebody make a difference? Uh, let's say they want to be a part of the college Republican group on campus or they don't have a college Republican group on campus. What are some ways they can still make a difference? Yeah, uh, if you're uh, if you want to start a college Republican uh, club on campus, uh, reach out to me. Uh, I'll connect you with the right folks. Uh, so uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, just shoot me an email at chris.nfcr at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to connect you with our organizing folks. Um, if, if not, uh, or if you're already in one, right, uh, volunteering on uh, campaigns, working for members of Congress, um, especially in Alaska, is vital. Uh, you guys have a unique spot um, in terms of the energy discourse, uh, especially in Congress, being an oil producing state and having uh, members of the delegation, which, you know, regardless of, of what you disagree with them on, on a bunch of other stuff, they do get natural resources, they do get the national security role, uh, and they do support, um, you know, American fossil fuel development. Uh, I think their, their, their responses to uh, Biden, whenever he shuts down, um, you know, oil and gas development and shuts down Anwar, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's that's what you want to be a part of. So helping with those campaigns, making sure Republicans continue to win in Alaska. Um, you know, I know Mary Peltola is a little bit more nuanced uh, in her views, um, but but I think getting Republicans elected, working on campaigns. I know it's kind of a cliche answer, um, but that's that's a great way to do it. And then writing your member of Congress, telling them that you want them to support uh, you know, policies that put America first, policies that embrace uh, American energy. Um, I think the foreign pollution fee is is a great start. I think the the Prove It Act is another great one. Uh, write to Dan Sullivan um, and say, hey, man, this is right up your alley. You care about national security. You care about being a China hawk. You care about developing Alaska LNG. This does all of that. Um, so and we'd be happy as the college Republicans to help you uh, write that. Um, and, and one of the reasons why I'm even having this conversation is uh, Alaska College Republican wrote an op-ed in Anchorage Daily News um, that we helped get placed. Uh, so if you want to get published, uh, that's another great opportunity, um, and we can help you do that as well. Nice. Yeah, one, an exciting thing for Alaska energy-wise, which is outside of the box for us is Senator Murkowski and Senator Sullivan got uh, Alaska's getting one of these mini uh, suitcase 
um not uh, a modular reactor yeah yeah modular. i was trying yeah, to think yeah, of the word modular awesome. reactor up in fairbanks yeah. and it's supposed to like i mean the hope is i think that it is going to be able to power like the whole base up there which would yeah, be yeah. phenomenal i mean that kind of stuff is is are things that the u.s probably doesn't make use of as it uh, once did and so that'll be exciting for the alaska to take part in this kind of test. What are your thoughts on these kind of uh, suitcase-sized nuclear uh, energy producers? Yeah, uh, they're they're awesome. The small modular reactors are really exciting technologies. Um, it, it's so frustrating with how Byzantine our nuclear regulatory policies are that it's so hard to get these things built and implemented. Um, so that's, that's one area that if you want to get engaged, uh, I'm sure uh, the senators both would support uh reforms on that for sure um and for the technology itself it's phenomenal um it, it's it's so they're called small modular reactors so you can basically as you need more power just add more of these reactors uh, i think they're 20 megawatts a piece usually um and you can attach 20 of them together so you can get up to almost wow. half a gigawatt um yeah which is an incredible amount of power. They can be obviously placed remotely the way that they're doing it with the, the Fairbanks base. Uh, you can do that in even more remote locations. So I'm sure, um, uh, you know, uh, native Alaskan communities that are that are more rural and more uh, further, further out, I'm sure would love to have something like this instead of having to burn diesel generators the way that they are currently. Uh, and ultimately this is a great uh, technology and, and opportunity for what I was talking about earlier with, you know, this is just this is just energy decisions. This is energy implementation, whatever. But it's also climate policy. Uh, it's a zero emissions uh, form of energy that conservatives support uh, and want to build more of. That embraces uh, that that embraces a, a national security need by obviously using it at a base. Um, you know, that's exactly why we need to be in this debate and why it's honestly kind of fun because you get to see technologies like that implemented and you're like, this is awesome. Um, that doesn't happen without good policy and that doesn't happen without good Republican leadership as well. Nice. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you joining us here on the show, um, hearing some of your thoughts and insights. And I want to encourage folks, if you don't have a college Republican group on campus, you're listening in, contact them. I'm sure they'd love to help you start one. Any last minute thoughts here, Chris, before we head out? Well, just uh, on, on you know the foreign pollution fee, I, I think that's, again, another great opportunity. I think there's a unique opportunity for Alaskan uh, natural gas uh, as, as Europe and, and Asia are looking for uh, sources of natural gas and oil that are not Russian. Uh, there's a unique opportunity of right at this moment to implement policies that create trade policies that boost Alaskan natural gas, that boost Alaskan LNG, um, that incentivize more infrastructure development of LNG ports and ships. Uh, I know that the, those are all huge opportunities for the people of Alaska and the economy of Alaska. Um, so encouraging uh, Senator Sullivan and Senator Murkowski to support the foreign pollution fee, um, that, that would be a great, uh, a great thing to do uh, if you're an Alaskan voter, uh, Alaskan Republican voter. Um, and if you have any questions about that, or want to get more involved uh, with advocating for policies like that, um, yeah, reach out to me and uh, I'll happy I'll be happy to help you out. Awesome. Well, I'll put your email in the in the podcast description. People can reach out to you. Um, thanks again, Chris, for joining us. And for folks listening, watching, or reading Must Read Alaska, and you want to help keep the lights on here at mustreadalaska.com, just go to mustreadalaska.com. On the right-hand side, there's a little donate button. Every $5, $10, $100 helps keep the lights on here at Must Read Alaska. 
Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thank you.